Hello everyone and welcome to season three, episode three of the Media Podcast. Um, this is titled Media Fusion and the Creator Economy. And I am here with Josh Deal, who is CEO of Zebra. Um, we have Media's own music analyst, Tatiana, and we have the cultural trends analyst, Hannah. Um, my name is Ashley and I'm the social media analyst for Media. And let's just get started. Um, Josh, do you want to tell us a little bit about Zebra before we before we start? Yeah, we'd love to. Yeah, thank you. Um, so Zebra, as we've kind of discussed as well, so I started it, um, we launched about a year ago and it essentially connects creators in the micro macro influencer spaces on TikTok, Instagram and other platforms to um, record labels and brands. So we started with artists, independent artists, music evolved to record labels, now evolved to brands. It's kind of been this evolution um, of solutions that we've been solving and uh, discovering and and the concept that we built about a year ago, essentially is a a really nice, simplistic, automated way of of connecting with creators and marketing through them. So we essentially have this marketplace of creators on our app. So every influencer and creator that joins themselves manage their own profiles, they set up and they receive um, submissions. So they're managing their own profiles to to receive campaigns and then record labels that we work with and brands can then pitch uh, campaigns to them directly, songs, brand uh, creatives, and then the the influencer themselves get to decide to take part in it. So it's a really cool creative um, connecting place where it automates the process, makes it much quicker. So we kind of built this out to to avoid all of those pain points and solve a lot of pain points we discovered through record labels, through brands of having to DM people out or just working with an agency. So we created a much broader pool of influencers in lots of niche areas. Um, And then we also run challenges with them. So an example of what we do essentially is like, we just did uh, a Michael Bublé Christmas campaign, uh, which was a challenge. So we set, uh, which is really fun. So we set the budget and this kind of gives you the epitome of everything we do. So we set the budget on the app. Then um, we give a creative brief, what they need to take part in, what they need to do. So it was using his song. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, which is incredible. The brief was quite open on this one and we did open territories. Um, And then all the influencers on the app, we do a countdown. So it creates like a real excitement. And then all of the influencers on the app um, see it come up on the day of launch and they all get to take part in it and they only get paid out. um, So they get to upload their videos to TikTok. It was on TikTok and they only get paid out per the view checkpoints that they hit. So once they had done that, where they hit X amount of views, they got X amount of money. And it's this kind of piranha feast of competition where all the influencers are competing to hit the viewpoints first and then get paid out in time until the budget is spent. And that one itself um, was just, it went absolutely bananas. It was like the first challenge we'd launched and we're now setting so many up. Uh, but we did, within 24 hours, the budget was spent out and we did um, 4.4 million views on all of the creations. We did just over 200 videos, 4.4 million views in the in the 24 hours. And, and since we've now done 11 million views on, on the creation. So it's just a really great way to build micro content, but also macro content and just have this kind of feast of creators take part so that's essentially us like encapsulated and we're now moving towards doing with more artists more you know musicians and also yeah that's amazing that challenge that it got so much and especially being your first one I take it the where did you get the idea for that from then like have you used like past experiences to what you've yeah, so exactly. So we, so we started, it's a good question. So we started Zebra. Um, we're just building this. So we've been building it for like two, three years, uh, building this this sort of creator marketplace of people. And then I think through that, we we were just, we've kind of been this learning machine of, of 
it's been a very um i think there aren't many products out there we've been very lucky where it is very um sort of you know what's the term like where you, you know uh, it sort of passes it with your friend I can't even remember the term now. Oh, um, it sort of grows quite organically, like it kind of yeah. sort of snowballs, and you get these kind of. We, we don't have any like referral setups, but it's just been a very like collective growth where people have passed on to their friends and everyone's joined. So we've been very close with a lot of the creators and learning about what they want to experience best, and then also being very close with record labels and brands that we've worked with to understand, um, you know, how we can solve problems or what what the best solution, what they're looking to achieve. Yeah, so how we can how we can you know build things out to to you know to target what they're looking to ultimately achieve. So through the initial stages, we were just sort of messaging camp like we would get a campaign brief and we would use our data points on the platform, which we still do, and we we go through and we target people individually. So if we're working on um, you know a track or something that needs fitness influencers or astrology influencers, we go through the data and we sort of match um, we match a lot of the influencers with. We match a sort of a lot of the influencers with, um, you know, the right creators, the right people. And then through that, so we essentially started the app with like picking people out individually in communities. And then it sort of evolved yeah. from there because we were like, we're kind of doing this manually with our tech. And it'd be much easier for us to just allow the creators to do it themselves mm-hmm. and take part. And, and we found, you know, we were getting much more <clears throat> authentic results uh, through creators because when when you sort of pick it out allow people to take part you get more of an authentic piece of creative because people are what you know are, are taking part themselves and they're wanting to volunteer to actually get involved and you know they're going to want to do well because they'll only get paid for that so we we have those two avenues one we sort of pick people out individually and we might do less content or we actually allow everyone to do it themselves I think that's interesting when you're saying authentic because then I think we were even just talking about it last week or um, I've started doing a bit more research into it and it's more subliminal marketing is like making a comeback. Um, and it's less the, it's just less like TV adverts where you'd hire the, like the biggest blockbuster, like movie star at the time to sell you like shampoo or what's the one Nicole Shirt Singer does? Is it like a yogurt or something? And then yeah. like, it just, like, it's so like, <laughs> And then she's got it in her nose and stuff, and it's like <laughs> you look great. Yeah, but I'm no, not, you're right. I'm not going to buy the yogurt. Yeah. Um, but kind of like that has kind of evolved from from that, and I think this generation, maybe starting with millennials, are they called zillennials now? Like the kind of the blend of the two generations, zillennials, and it's just oh, it zillennials, and um, they're just not like it's just not engaging with them and they kind of kind of they can sort of see right through it and then I don't know if that's because of the internet age and you can see you have a bit more authenticity and seeing into other people's lives I say that and then there's like Instagram influencers that definitely do not live the lifestyle that they post but it's maybe just a bit more you can kind of see the window into like celebrities life now you can't it's not just like oh they get hired to see Mm. them on the tv when they're selling me this yogurt but then you've got as a result you end up having these viral viral celebrities, really, the kind of internet celebrities that are sort of slightly taking over the celebrity space. And when they start a trend, everyone wants to jump on that trend. And there's like a lot of people not really knowing that they're actually doing this word of pr- mouth promotion and the marketing for that person just by participating in, in, in the trend or just by learning the dance, just by like, doing the voiceovers or the right, captions yeah. over the over the music 
and things like that. And I think we were kind of talking before and it was about, I don't know what to call it because it's so new, but it's the the equivalent of the email chains that you used to get. Yeah, the Dermot um, Kennedy when, trend that's been going on. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when, when they like play a piece of music and it's like they'll get an influencer to start it and they'll say, I just use this sound in my drafts and then five, ten minutes later... <laughs> Like, I don't know, Michael Bublé showed up on my doorstep yeah. and like doing gave on me $5,000 well. in cash. Yeah, yeah we just had one, one girl posted where she actually, actually interrupted the video saying, he just called me now and that's why the video stopped. So it's like... Oh, it's, it's getting cleverer and cleverer. Yeah, it's happening <laughs> and, um, in the moment. And it's, but it's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. It's, the, it's that trend of... And it's so interesting what you just said as well, actually. Like that's that effect of a celebrity and, the you know, that becoming sort of saturated. It's, it's happening now. Like... A lot of these TikTok influencers have been around have been around for five minutes. So suddenly you're hit you're seeing this um you're seeing this this transition of, you know, approaches with influencers where you're going top down five to seven influencers on a campaign to now actually becoming more effective to go ground up. Like TikTok trends, anything that happens on TikTok is very ground up, is very, you know, building there. Whereas most, you know, some of these campaigns that we see, kind of why we've been given permission to come into this space is because a lot of the old camp, you know. Every label that almost came to us said, we've just been throwing money at the wall for the last three years and spending, you know, minimum spends and nothing's really been happening. And we, and we see a few creations on, on a post, whereas, you know, in like one day we got 200, you know, just under 200 creations for like Michael Bublé's track, which created lots of other UGC pieces. And I think mm-hmm. the, the kind of North Star of like, inf- you know, celebrity transitioned into TikTok. And now because these guys have really been around five minutes, it's becoming so saturated, so overpriced. And I think where it really becomes valuable is those underpriced spaces of where trends, like the playground trends, where they can come from ground up and you can see that being a domino effect in the building. And and those are the most effective places, I think, over the sort of top-down marketing. I think it's more like trousers up now, TikTok. Whereas it, you know, it's, it's kind of shifted. And I think it's literally is what you just said. It's become more human. I think people are seeing, I think I really, I'd like really where we've kind of, placed our bets and and where I've been placing my bets for the last couple of years has been, you know, not just the microspace, it's kind of been turned this microspace, but it's just like human beings on TikTok. And I think it's much, it's the closest thing, you know, when you talk about brands for like Starbucks, it's the closest thing for, if you go on Starbucks on TikTok, there's so much content that, you know, they, they owe so much to those, like just human beings that have created content using their stuff out of, out of, you know, just pure will. And it's gone viral. And I think any marketing thing that, and you can also spot what a lot of these brands are doing, which is becoming very unauthentic or sort of, you know, overly engineered, but it's now starting to go, how can we, how can we actually engineer those spots where it's, you know, becoming across more, you know, organically or in the, um, in the micro space. Yeah. We've, we've seen just with like the saturation of content in the, the attention economy, it is, mm. there's just so much stuff to filter through. People can they're filtering through they're making choices on which tv shows they watch and which ones they don't watch and which songs they're listening to and what streaming platforms they're using and so obviously advertising of any kind is competing with all of that other stuff Um, and then like the same way that we've seen independent artists like now anyone can make music in their bedrooms and now anyone can make can be a a brand rep if they want and you're more likely to listen to somebody who reminds you a bit of yourself like oh that's that person who's just made money by doing this like I could do that too because I have the exact same setup in my bedroom. Like that becomes much more like you easier to to look at and to believe it and find it authentic than something that's just been like 
clearly engineered and served to you alongside everything else. Yeah, 100%. I think that I was, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, when you go, you go. You um, go. No, I was just going to say, I think all of this also uh, speaks to this really interesting, like fundamental difference between marketing on something like TikTok and like traditional marketing, where it's like, you're not necessarily trying to reach everyone so much as you're trying to kind of create this spark. You're trying to create something that other people join onto and, and join this trend from. So it's like, rather than trying to, you know, start this huge flame from the get-go, you're just trying to start this small spark. And sometimes it's it's better to do that, not by tar- like using this like big celebrity, you know, brand partnership. Sometimes it's actually better and easier to do that with, um, as Josh was saying, having these, it's so interesting to me that you have these cohorts of like astrology influencers, fitness influencers, like all these yeah. different types, because yeah, going from the ground up in that way. Um, it also just makes sense given the the path that these marketing campaigns take where again, you're, you're not trying to reach everyone. You're trying to start a trend. Um, so it's just really interesting. I think it's like fascinating as well that just looking at, I've, I've been looking at a lot of brands, TikTok accounts specifically, um, just because there's a bit more, because it's more video based. And what I'm finding like very interesting is the fact that some brands are still taking original like kind of the traditional marketing route but trying to apply it to TikTok and it's just not getting the same kind of uh, engagement whereas you've got other accounts like um I don't know if I'm supposed to name drop or whatever but the the, the one that I'm thinking of is like Aldi or Ryanair I like the two and it's almost as if they've totally forgotten the the celebrity route or the the kind of even like a, or even like a celebrity on TikTok they've kind of just gone and they've brought this like social media manager in that is like a millennial and they've gotten them I'm thinking of the the Ryanair one and they've just have the the mouth and the eyes yeah. like over the plane and then the plane like participates in all of these trends or you've got the I know everyone kind of like jokes that it's an intern I'm sure it's not I'm sure it's someone that's been social media management for like decades but um just like look at the little the the Marks and Spencer's Colin the Caterpillar feud yeah, that became like an internet sensation because of how like they were just supermarkets were just trolling like um Marks and Spencers and they became like a meme. They became relatable. They made this like corporate brand like have a personality that you could relate to that was like like joining in on these trends and they were really like going for it and um even i'm so sure it's little is it aldi or am i getting the two was it aldi i apologize but um one of them (laughs) but they've included in their the the whole christmas during the christmas market campaigns that they have on tv it's like everyone waits for the christmas adverts that come out and it's i think that will be a thing forever but i think there was less excitement around it like than there usually is in previous years but what I found is that the one that made its way online into the TikTok and Instagram space was the Aldi one because they had the kill on the caterpillar getting arrested by a couple of lemons. Like, and they had just like, they'd taken the meme that they had created and the viral moment they had created at the beginning of the year and then found a way to incorporate it into it. And they're just, the, the, everything that's going around now is like, oh, it's, they're trolling them again or they've like how I want to be that level of petty or whatever and it's found its way back online and it's found itself in another viral moment just by sort of repeating its viral moment so I think that's like the kind of personality behind it It is like what you were saying Tati it's not the same sort of 
traditional stuff and it is the it is kind of bringing the internet celebrities and the kind of creating a relatable relationship with the the consumer in that way um, the psychology of memes <laughs> the psychology of memes I tell you that would be that would set that degree no problem <laughs> like, I'd be off <laughs> I would do that in a heartbeat like so just kind of like looking at like looking at social media as a as a marketing tool and like looking at the the fact I think you touched on it before Josh is that these internet celebrities have been around for like five minutes or something mm. Tati you you um you've done a bit of research into the the viral moments that are getting made as opposed to like kind of even just the evolution of the social media marketing in the last like year and mm-hmm. um, just like looking at TikTok and um how that's like changed even the music industry do you want to yeah kind of give us a bit of yeah your take on that for sure um no I think it's like you know TikTok and and similar apps were never never kind of meant to be a music marketing tool and I feel like the music marketing side was this really interesting side effect that happened where record labels and other people in the music industry realized that these trends that were happening on TikTok were actually really impacting like what songs were popular. Um, and there was this, yeah, like this sort of like subliminal um, side to it or this side effect to it um, in helping amplify these songs. So there's this entire, entire business around it um, that's really an interesting like two-way street where now on the one side you have um, these labels that are creating campaigns on TikTok by going through a company like Zeb- Zeb- Zebra. Is that how I say it? <laughs> like Zebra. Um, you have companies that are that are doing that, record labels that are trying to create and sort of reverse engineer these viral moments um, by having these campaigns. And then on the other side of things, you have these more organic moments that are happening um, where a trend takes off, a song takes off on TikTok. And in that way, the users are kind of speaking up for what they want to hear more of. And then a record label will come in and, you know, sign, try and sign that artist or, or sign them to a singles deal for that song or whatever it is. So it's like, there's, there's a whole ecosystem now where it's both, you know, TikTok and similar platforms are both um, the place where the music campaigns are happening and coming in. And they're also the place where music, music trends are being created and, and songs and artists are being popularized and signed. And I think uh, some, I forget who it was, um, some record label executive once put it really well to me when he said it used to be that uh, the labels are were creating the product um, with the artist and then bringing it to market. And now the product is already in the market and the record label is trying to grab it um, while it's already, while it's already having its moment and trying to pick it up while, you know, it's, it's, it's peaking in popularity already. Um, So it's really social media and UGC has completely flipped the game when it comes to music marketing and um, talent scouting. Um, And I think it is just to like kind of put it all into perspective. um, It's not like any of this is totally new. I mean, look at like Shawn Mendes was discovered on Vine. You know, Justin Bieber was discovered on YouTube. Um, UGC has always has always done this and always played a part in in music um, marketing and, and scouting. But now it's just the pace and the volume is just like crazy accelerated. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. That was a long rant. Um, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, we love our long rants. Completely flip the equation um, when it when it comes to the music industry. But I, I, I do think. Um, Similar to points you guys have both brought up, um, the the way that now the t- the TikTok landscape is totally like oversaturated with music has led to 
um, the music industry finding a better path by going ground up instead of taking these big, big TikTok influencers instead going through the fitness community, the astrology community or whatever it is, and kind of finding these micro communities instead of finding trying to have this massive viral moment across all 1 billion TikTok users, which is really hard to do. And I know Hannah has a lot of thoughts about this type of thing too. No, I mean, it brings in interesting challenges with it as well, right? Because I'm just thinking of, um, do you remember when sea shanties had like a hot moment earlier? Yeah. It was almost yeah. like a, a long one. And there was, long there was that guy who was like, I don't know, he worked at like, as like a postman and then he was just doing these sea shanties and he had like this massive viral moment and like he was snapped up by a label. But have we heard anything from him? I heard, so the thing is, he kind of like was nowhere. He came up out of nowhere and then he had the viral moment and then he disappeared. And then he was at the, it wasn't the mobiles. It was like he performed at the music award ceremony that I remember because Little Mix announced that was where they were like announced that they were pregnant. So that was that one. It was like their first, like, <laughs> that just shows you how basic I am. But um, they, I remember that and then I kind of like it was him and Jack Whitehall um, like came out and he was like playing the sea shanty and that was the last I heard of him it was like they'd obviously booked him during his hype moment and then it, by that point it moved on to an entirely new hype and then he just kind of popped up for that and then left so I don't really know how they're going to navigate that in the future because it's like on the, the marketing side, right? It's quite easy to be like, oh, these people are having a moment. Like, we'll just give them something and like use their moment to push this. But when it's from like a scouting perspective, you have to find someone who's not only having a moment, but is able to like continue having more good moments, uh, which is really hard to guarantee in, you know, this digital first, like everyone, there's just so much new stuff all the time. Like, how do you guarantee that anyone's going to be big? Is it even possible to have a mainstream hit anymore that's not engineered or legacy? Like the big thing about Adele's latest album coming out was like her first albums were out when we had albums still and it, you would buy a CD and you would listen to this CD and now she was releasing on streaming and it's just like, is it going to capture anyone's attention or is it just going to disappear? Um, which obviously it hasn't because she's Adele, but um, yeah. But you're right. And there's even like some, I feel like stigma in the artist community around the idea of like being a TikTok artist and being labeled as like having a TikTok hit and being too connected to the platform where artists don't want to necessarily be tied to that. Um, mm, it's probably quite hard to shake, isn't it? When you've had like one, there's yeah. been a lot of recently have had like one big hit and then it's almost like going on the X Factor or Pop Idol TikTok in, in some cases where it becomes your thing and you're known for that. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of break out into other spaces where obviously a lot of people like Nimco Happy is another one that, broke out recently the sort of i mean you know the song um i won't sing it for you but it's like the it's probably the most <laughs> you probably know it right ashley it's like the most catchiest song of like um just recently last month and we were lucky fortunate to work on that campaign as well and it's still stuck in my head i still hear it when i go to sleep because it's just like this really really catchy song and and space but they signed her through um universal actually signed her like a month ago through the track just blowing up in that space and then they would re-engineer the song again and kick it up again to push it further and further and it's kind of you know it's going to be interesting what that next phase for that artist is or do they become a sort of like you know Gangnam style thing that um you know Scooter Braun signed with uh, you know a while back where it's like it's kind of one song and he was kind of the TikTok signing a song and now you're getting this viral moment where it's an artist on TikTok and it's kind of changes shape and changes form so it's interesting to see what the next round for those artists are as you said it's trying to yeah get further with it 
I think as well, if you look at it, I think that, I mean, Hannah, you'll know more about this, but um, it's the, the artist fan base is so niche now. So in terms of like an artist blowing up, I think I know the one that you're talking about. Is that the one where they've got the dance to it? There's the dance that's going around with it just now. The one I'm talking about. Yeah. This now. <laughs> I feel like I don't like I'm not like I was gonna do the dance, so I'm not gonna do that. I think I know the one you're talking about, and I've only ever heard one song from them. But um, I'm just kind of thinking about. I don't know if anyone remembers Ashniko, the artist. I personally am obsessed with Ashniko, and um, but she was. I'm sure she was a thing before TikTok, but that's like TikTok is really what like blew her up. And then because she became a bit of a, she became a trend, like her music became a trend and she released an album. And that was one of the, I remember thinking it was not strange, interesting because she had released an album in this time. And that's just not something that's really, that's really done unless you're like Olivia Rodrigo or Taylor Swift or something like that. So she was a relatively new artist, but she had her moment on TikTok. And then I think she's like quieting down now, but she's, the people that are into her music are diehard fans. Like the people that are in her and that can, as a person who is her, like a diehard fan, this, it seems to be creating this moment. It's a bit more, the fans are like fans. The fans are like invested. It's not just like listeners. It's people that are really, like really involved with that artist or that band. It's kind of almost shifted the the feeling if you will, of, of of listening to music just because you kind of go to being this niche hardcore fan. Whereas before you'd maybe like hear it on a Spotify playlist and then you wouldn't you wouldn't even know who it was. You were like, oh I like that song and you give it a like, but you didn't you wouldn't be able to tell me who the artist was. You just remember hearing it on a on a Spotify playlist and it somehow made its way onto your liked playlist and stuff like that. But uh Hannah, do you have anything to add in terms of Niche fandom, niche, fandom. And how it's, niche fandom, how it's created. To that point of like Spotify passive listening, not being able to know the artists. We just had Wrapped come out and I had like an insane number of artists that I listened to. 2,471 <laughs> different artists in the last year. Like could I name 2,471 yeah. different artists? Absolutely not. Um, mm. But just because of, I mean, again, just with so much content, like, the stuff that's mainstream is the stuff that you're less likely to really care about, but the stuff that you have an investment in somehow, be that being part of a community or like you have the chance to like interact with the artist somehow, or like you well feel like you've built their career or helped them build their career, then that's something that you have like a personal investment. And in, so you get very niche, very hardcore fandoms. I guess BTS is like a bit too big to say that it's very niche, but also they're, like yeah. they're, they're their own thing right it's not just their fans of bts it's like the bts army is like a thing and they do things independently of bts around yeah. the fact that it exists right like you get because we have these windows i think someone said earlier like windows into the, the artist's lives or windows into famous people's lives people like really take advantage of that and they really like to see that it's not enough to yeah. just have an advert anymore, like see someone on primetime TV. Like you need them to be posting on all the social medias and you want to see what's going on with their lives and you want to see their output and you want a way to like engage with them somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I think with like BTS being a like really good example of some invested fandom right there, I think it is the, and then you're looking at the uh, Taylor Swift as well. I mean, the, the women's re-releasing stuff that she's already done and they're outperforming her 
like originals and you're kind of like why is that and it's because it's not I mean her music is good any Taylor Swift fans that are listening but the it's like is it is it that good where it's like they can really re-release the same thing that she's done I know there's like little changes to it but is it that good that it can re-release the same things that you've done and outperform that I think it's all down to like this relationship with the fans which is like coming like circling right back to kind of Josh's point with the marketing and how it's all down to relatability and how you can yeah it's like it's like a almost like an interpersonal relationship where you can get involved with what is happening it's not just people selling stuff at you it's this like two-way street whereas Taylor Swift and BTS have done that since before TikTok was about where they were they were using the kind of I'm not going to say they pioneered it but they certainly kind of mainstreamed it with um Taylor doing her secret sessions and finding out um exam exams finding out um where people like lived what would they call it Taylor King which found out were like people's addresses and then she would like post personalized letters and like gifts and stuff to them and it's just this creating this personal relationship with the with the fans and then that's kind of pushing it but it all comes back to relatability everyone in this day and age is kind of not here for it's it's not just relatability like relatability is purely emotional it's like actual engagement because she's framed her latest album that way you don't just listen to it because you like taylor you're listening to it because by listening to it you're empowering her to making her own money and like stepping away from the labels and like yeah, it's true. an act of listening that's actually having a consequence yeah so interesting obviously taylor didn't have the first you know she didn't release to spotify for a long time did she so i think that probably again gives another burst of because i think every any time i go onto taylor's spotify three times a day i always see it's always quite interesting to see her streams being quite low relative to artists of her size and that you could sort of forget that she wasn't on she wasn't collecting those streams that's why her youtubes are so much higher so I get that probably, again, helped her surface those songs quicker and become, you know, a sort of go-to. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really smart play. She kind of does that a lot, though, doesn't she? I think she has led a lot of movements in music. Yeah. You know, right or wrong, being on the right side of history or the wrong side, you know, with Spotify and eventually coming back round. And so it's, but it's always like, you know, being in the moment of the times for where that leads. Um, and, yeah, I think seeing which top art, because it's not always the top artists who lead the way a lot of the breakout stuff isn't top art. You know, when you go on to like, um, you know, the top 10, 50 trending songs on TikTok, you know, it's always kind of uh, scattered with mostly new artists, like the one now own brand freestyle um, track, which is this, you know, for not like this viral dance, probably the first time in a long time that I've noticed a dance go viral on TikTok. Like TikTok has moved away from dances you know, has moved away from dances for, you know, moved away from them a long time ago. And it's first time that's kind of come around. So again, it, it, I think it's often new breakouts is still the thing for TikTok. You're not seeing, you know, um, every established artist doesn't have permission to do well on TikTok. That's almost the opposite way. You know, I haven't really seen something of Taylor's or a lot of these major artists break out just quite directly. I think that's why it's such a good space. And I think if you can, because maybe they're being tr- too traditional, that could be the case of, you know, where a lot of their marketing spend is going, isn't it's now starting to shift into TikTok. Because there, like, there yeah. are exceptions, right, with ABBA and Fleetwood Mac with the cranberry juice. Yeah, then another viral yeah. moment, yeah. Like, they, they managed to tap in and be like, we're going to create a viral moment and, like, get in with yeah. people, and it worked, right? They're doing such a better job than... They're doing such a better job than some of these 
like equally big hitting, arguably more modern artists with just as much marketing spend. Um, yeah. It's all about how you do it and not just throwing money at the problem. They always say they, there's that saying like half of all money spent on advertising is wasted. We just the trouble is we just don't know which half. And I think that's more true than ever with social media is because you know these companies don't big, the big older incumbent businesses haven't necessarily been paying as much attention for so long. And now suddenly like TikTok is a big deal. It's been become a big deal in the last year and a half in, in Western markets. And they're having to adapt and some are clearly doing a very good job and some clearly are struggling because it is all about like authenticity and engagement and yeah. But there's so much untapped into content as well. I was saying earlier, just with some of these brands that we've been experimenting with and and those spaces, you often see a lot of it has just come through, you know, natural progression of content over what you tend to normally see on TikTok as an ad or what's obviously an ad. I think when you go onto like Starbucks, for example, and you look at, you know, any anything they're kind of doing is quite obvious. Whereas a lot of the stuff like Starbucks, Netflix, these kinds of spaces where, you know, you're seeing a series breakthrough or where it's the pumpkin spice latte or whether it's like the new, you know, Stranger Things 4, the content that they've probably pushed in the past is, is not always coming. It's, it's starting to evolve now, but the pickups or the trends that they've been lucky to have on TikTok have really just come organically. And it's, it's trying to kind of why we built what we've built is to engineer those pieces, you know, over like, oh, let's just get seven big influencers. We'd rather go, let's get a multitude of people to take part in in enjoy that because what you find is when we've done any deep dives is going on and going look at this like you know this series that's out on netflix and you can see they've used the soundbite from it and and content around it uh someone's used the soundbite of say this brand new series is on disney plus or netflix and they've created some type of trend or some cool like dub smash style um content from it which has then carried over and created lots of ugc but the trouble with that when you're not engineering or you're not actually part of that in any way or you're trying to uh, spark that um you'll see that none of the attention can lead back to the series at all because the sound isn't named anything after the series there's no recognition to know that it's actually from that series so that attention isn't being funneled to the series itself whereas if you initiated it it would um and i think that's where you're seeing a lot of the attention for like Selena Gomez's new Disney Plus series. A lot of the sound bites on TikTok aren't funneling back to her because they've just been naturally born. Whereas if they engineered that initially, it would help. It would help, but I think that there's still like, that's one of the really interesting like double-edged swords of now having this focus on authenticity and this sort of like subliminal messaging is that you have to work a lot harder to make sure that people actually then seek out the thing on Apple TV or on Spotify or wherever, you have to work really hard because even if you are, you know, doing the campaign for it, or even if the song is correctly labeled, it's not like how it used to be where it's, hi, I'm X artist, listen to my new song on Spotify. And you know, the artist, you know, the name, you have a Spotify link. Now it's like, it's a little bit harder. Um, Like just this weekend, I was having friends over and I put on some music and I put on this song called Sad Girls Love Money. Um, that's a big song on TikTok. Um, and my friend who was there said, who sings this song? And I said the name of the artist and she said, okay, that's funny. Cause I've only ever heard it on TikTok. Mm. So she, she's heard it on TikTok. She's super familiar with the song. She knew the chorus, but she didn't know who sang it. So I think that's like a, a very fundamental hurdle that like marketers have to figure out how to handle is like creating these sort of breadcrumbs to lead people from TikTok or wherever they're hearing the sound to the actual product without you know being too in your face about it so it's a yeah but you've also got something smart which you can miss out there which is actually she mentioned it in the car 
which brought your attention to the song more and even hers. And she probably went home or that's true. Yeah, that's true. You know, now she knows See, it. Now, now she, she knows it. Yeah. She actually picked up on it. And I think that's kind I of think- what TikTok does. It like it kind of subconsciously puts it into your brain. So then when yeah. you pick it up, it kind of does it indirectly. Like so you've only, you've yeah. almost explained it there in without realizing it's quite a clever way of um noticing a song as like a counter like not looking at music so even if you're looking at something like netflix or a tv show or a movie or something i know there's been a couple of things that i've been on tiktok and i've seen they've done some sort of probably like a makeup tutorial or a funny like back and forth that you have to reword with captions but it's been like from it's clearly been from a movie or something and I'm like looking through the hashtags trying to find the name of the movie because it's like doing like you're like okay this is funny this seems like my kind of thing that I would watch and you can't find it because it's like just hashtagging the things that are trending at that moment so it could be from like when Harry met Sally if you're getting a hashtag like the what's the ASOS one that's coming out just now it's like hashtag ASOS something and hashtag Megan the Stallion Adele version or something like that and you're just like I've got nothing here to like indicate what I like I can't go back and like look for this I can't uh, like IMDB this or anything I don't know what I'm listening to or what's it's probably easier with music but when it's coming to things like movies and and like Netflix series or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus or whatever it's just like that's harder to because that's not something that just comes up in a party like it's not something you can put the music on and be like oh I've heard this on TikTok that's something that's like you'd have to have already been sitting down watching the movie and then the line that you remember comes up and you're like oh this is the this is the funny thing from TikTok Mm. I thought I was gonna like this whereas you can't do you know what I mean? So yeah, or well, you you saw, yeah, the kind of- like you you see those TikToks where people sit with like I saw one yesterday. And it was like it was a comedy skit, and there were two guys, and he was like sitting with his friend, and he was like, "When we go to the pub, and you watch TikTok, and your friend doesn't," and he kept sort of he kept um, reenacting these moments from TikTok and saying, "Have you seen that one?" And his his friend's <laughs> not on TikTok, and he but what about this one? He'd start humming some other you know or saying some funny line, and they'd be like, "I'm not on TikTok," unless you are, you don't really get it. It's like not watching that. T- it's like your parents not allowing you to watch that show when you're younger and you go into school the next day and you don't know what anyone's talking about and it's the yeah. same thing as happening with TikTok but it's subliminal again like a you know you're going out and you're in your seat and something will happen with friends or you'll you'll recognize something and you're, you're bringing that up again you know that moment and especially with like TV that digital is such a smart way to digitalize marketing because it's it kind of has to align and I think it's um it's a powerful movement for for dub smash really set the tone and i think especially for stepping away from music like it's been music is the talking point of tiktok always will be because it is you know every every video bit of content has music tags and it's how you build the video and it's the almost the first or second thing you think of with syncing a track to it but dub smash really set the tone for what you're just saying actually with you know series and moments and tv and film and and those areas of like you know brands and products and placing things or is um is a smart move you know even if it's like cereal like i think there's so much space for cereal to to market in or especially like drink brands and there's there's a lot of dub smash style content that you can evolve around those products um yeah and allow it to kind of spark itself yeah maybe the next maybe the next big thing is like netflix netflix collaborating with disney plus's new thing over doja cat's new tune yeah, that's, <laughs> like yeah, everyone, it's all, yeah everyone having this moment together and like enforcing the things off of each other 
who knows? Maybe I've just predicted the future. I mean, yeah. to be it's kind of like a, necess- <laughs> a necessity that you can have these overlaps when it comes to UGC because otherwise it just feels like an in- like a, a creative inhibition if you can't link stuff together. One of the, like I'm still so mad that Apple bought Shazam because you can't automatically Shazam stuff to Spotify anymore. It's the most useful app ever just for, for exactly those moments where you're like, oh, what is that song? I've heard that on TikTok. Like, oh, you know, here we go. It's just going to record it. And they've delinked it, which makes it such, I'm so much less likely to use it just because I know it's going to take like the extra mm-hmm. step. And it's the same with like streaming services and everything. Like people just want access to everything and they want it all to be connected because it's all very connected to them through their phones. But when you have to like use it through um, creativity or TikTok, it's kind of a problem. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think it's the first time that I can remember in my history. But it is, but in in like in the space of what's gone on, of like a moment where it must be a nightmare for marketers if you're not doing the TikTok space where you're getting so much attention from places you actually can't correlate it coming from. So like even Shazam, for example, they probably had a boost of downloads one particular week when there was a video that went viral on TikTok where this guy was in a club Shazamming. And the song was like Kings of Leon, Sex on Fire. And the guy had his Shazam, and someone filmed a guy with his Shazam out, like, rec- you know, recording. And everyone's like, how do you not know? Like, how can you be Shazamming Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon in 2021? And and that probably gave a lot of attention to Shazam because everyone would have known that that's what it was and, and it would have got millions of views. And, you know, imagine what they, Shazam would have had to have run to do. So it's, it's such a space where they were like, probably the marketing team of Shazam was sitting there going, we've just had like 97,000 downloads today and we don't know, we haven't been running anything. And unless they'd seen that video, they just wouldn't know. So I find that so interesting. And I think if you yeah. can map that slightly and actually, you know, Shazam should be doing that. I don't know what Shazam do to market, but they should be coming up with some cool creative where they get influencers to go out and be like, you know, oh, go and, you know, I'll give the idea out, but like go and Shazam, like what's something funny, like create something funny around it or like that time you Shazammed and you see it with like memes as well. There was like the, you know, the Lion King meme where the guy's holding up Simba and instead it's his phone. But it's like, it's got Shazam on it. It's like when, you, when you're in a restaurant trying to get the song and it's like you're, you're trying to find the speaker in the, in the, in the, uh, you know, the shop or something. But it's all those pieces that I think, strategists i don't know if they're really doing that or they you know memes and tiktok and they're these kind of unexplainable viral uncontrollable things and now it's trying to go well how can we like how can we actually become part of that and actually build a strategy around it to to find those moments because you know they don't come around that often and they could if you started to engineer like six of them that's how isn't that how um oh what's the guy he sang montero he sang old Lil Nas X, yeah, thank you. Um, Lil Nas X is just, um, he was like a true pioneer in the the meme marketing. He managed to get himself from living on his friend's sofa to doing a duet with Billy Ray Cyrus and Mm. getting like signed. But um, I was looking at his process and how he got from A to B and it was entirely through memes and like like memeing and trolling and stuff he was doing like reddit threads and he was doing instagrams he was doing twitter and he was getting people to like recreate memes around his song but then he was also like commenting on like weird like commenting weird stuff so it's just like what you're saying with the shazam it's like why are you 
why are you shazamming kings uh kings of leon in 2021 it was a similar sort of style where would, i've seen a lot of people do this to go viral and they'd say like the most controversial it's like the thing with like the math problem do you know like you always have that math we see the math problem it's like four plus six and then it's got the bracket and it's got the sum inside it and the close bracket and it's like what is the answer and everyone's like piling in with different answers and it just makes it gives this like more thingy and then there's more people like arguing with people and the comments like of course this isn't the answer like this is like who taught you and it's like keeps boosting this up to the top of everyone's feed and it's like this is this is the future of me marketing like you have to literally how tiger king became popular because i mean was it a good show no (laughs) what they do is they had like this debate about did carol baskins kill her husband or whatever yeah and like because everyone was arguing about it online suddenly everyone had to go watch it and it became like a massive hit all because of this really stupid meme thing um and it's it's just quite funny because like five ten years ago like you know as teenagers we were obviously participating in memes and like on our phones and using social media and no one was taking it seriously it was like like a passing thing and now it's literally how artists are made or broken or how tv shows become super popular or just disappear into the ether of all the other streaming shows ever memes the future is memes (laughs) yeah it's kind of spreading (laughs) further than memes now it's becoming memes in like in video form and other forms so yeah, yeah interesting um i love how memes have developed from like having gene wilder as willy wonka like leaning on that thing or like the kermit the frog but also kermit the frog in a black hoodie to like these like intricate like intricate tiktok videos that are like three minutes long that people can quote back to back on a night out they can like finish each other's like sentences just from this like elaborate meme culture that is on tiktok now i think it's like super fascinating to see how it's developed anyway i think like We've hit the time. We've covered a lot of ground. And Closing on the future is memes is a strong... <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, the future is memes. <laughs> um, thanks, um, everyone, for joining in on this discussion. And um, tune in to the next podcast episode coming out next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to keep up with all the latest episodes by subscribing to Media Research on your favourite podcast platform.